Today, we're going to open up to Zechariah chapter 8 again. If you've been following along for a while, you'll, you'll remember that that's what we're working through at the moment. And um, yeah, if you do have your Bibles there on your phone or, or in, in a book, um, book form, that'd be good to open up there, Zechariah chapter 8. We're going to start at verse 9 in a moment. You know, we've talked about the context for, for a little while now as we look at this chapter. I keep trying to remind you what, what was this book about, who, who um, you know, was it written to and what was it, what was it all about, right? So um, I'll remind you again, there's this faithful remnant of God's people, right? And they've been brought back to Jerusalem and they've been given the task to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem, right? The temple was this center place for God's people. This is where they met with him. This is where relationship with God was lived out. And without it, um, God's people aren't really able to be who they should be. You know, they needed this place to rekindle their relationship with him. They've just spent 70 years in, in Babylon without it, and now they've returned. <clears throat> and um, it's within this atmosphere of rebuilding um, the temple and the city that God sends his prophet Zechariah, um, amongst a couple of other prophets, uh, to help encourage and keep his people focused on the task at hand of rebuilding and, and not just rebuilding, like that was one part of it, but remaining faithful, remembering who they were, remembering God's covenant promises. You know, it's all of this story that goes behind um, what we've been looking at. And so with all of the promises that, that we've been looking at in chapter 8, there's 10 of them there. They, they kind of make up like a table of contents of, of, of Zechariah's message to, to God's people. We've been working our way through. And of all the promises, this one seems by far the most um, <clears throat> applicable in terms of at least what, what it says. You know, if you were someone who was part of the workforce of rebuilding and you heard these words, you go, man, that's, that's something that I can, I can take on board. So in, this is what it says. We're going to read verses 9 through to 13 in Zechariah 8. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Now hear these words, let your hands be strong so that the temple may be built. Right, yep, that's what we're doing. God's telling me to let my hands be strong, you know, which was like this phrase that meant have courage, you know, like take heart. It was this, it was this encouragement from God. He's, God's coming alongside them and saying, let your hands be strong so that the temple can be built, so that the task can be carried out. I'm pretty sure that would have sunk in and they would have gone, yep, that's what we're doing. Thanks, God. I'm, I'm encouraged by the fact that you're, you're here with us. You're trying to, trying to give us that, uh, that encouragement. It says, This is also what the prophets said, who were present when the foundation was laid for the house of the Lord Almighty. So God's saying, hey, let your hands be strong so that the temple can be built. And he says, this is what, this is what they said to you when, when you laid the foundation. I'm saying, saying it to you again. Before that time, there were no wages for people. This is before the time the temple was being built, before the time the foundation was laid. There were no wages for people or hire for animals. That's bad. No one could go about their business safely because of their enemies since I had turned everyone against their neighbour. So what's this about? You can read in the prophet Haggai, which is the, the book before Zechariah, um, that when the remnant first returned, they focused on building themselves houses and, and just focused on themselves pretty much. And it led to poor harvests. They didn't bother about planning for rebuilding the, um, the temple foundation and their self-focus led to, led to poor harvests, bad um, crops. Uh, there was trouble from enemies and they were struggling to get by, right? And so 
what God's saying here is he's reminding them, he's saying, hey, remember what it was like? He's like, we don't want to go back there. Take heart, take courage, build the temple, stay focused. And, and I'm not going to treat you in, this, in, in the way that I had treated the remnant before for what they did. Right? And so he goes on to verse 11. He's saying, maintain your focus, but now I will not de- deal with the remnant of this people as I did in the past. That's got to be encouraging as well. Oh, phew, this is, this is worthwhile. We're, we're doing the right thing, declares the Lord Almighty. The seed will grow well. The vine will yield its fruit. The ground will produce its crops and the heavens will drop their dew. Now, when we hear those words, they're not words that we, um, you know, can readily apply to. Um, they're sort of like, it seems like a metaphor to us, but to them, this was like real life. Man, the seed will grow well. That means food on the table. This is good, good news for us. You know, the vine will yield its fruit. That's good news. The ground will produce its crops. It's good news. And the heavens will drop their dew. That's different. To, that's, that's, a, that's a contrast to what um, the prophet Haggai had talked about um, just a few years before. It says in verse 13, Just as you, Judah and Israel, have been a curse among the nations, and now we say, why would they be a curse? They're God's people. Well, it's because this was part of the consequence of not following or not keeping up their, their end of the covenant, right, that God had formed with them. So they, they were made to be a curse. He says, just as you, Judah and Israel, have been a curse among the nations, so I will save you, right? This time it's different. So I'll save you and you will be a blessing. Do not be afraid, but let your hands be strong. He goes back to that encouragement. Let your hands be strong. You can do this. That's a pretty cool thing that God's doing for his people. He's coming alongside them. He's saying, hey, it's going to be okay. Things are going to go well. I will provide for you. It's not going to be um, like it's been in the past. Things are going to change. And so what does this have to do with us? <laughs> That's the big question we need to ask because, uh, you know, when we aren't rebuilding a physical temple in Jerusalem. That's not really part of any task that God's given me. We aren't living under the old covenant law anymore. There's a new covenant in Jesus. There are no direct curses upon us from God when we do the wrong thing, right? Um, we haven't returned from some sort of time in exile and persecution in Babylon. So what does all of this little piece of Scripture mean for us? And um, the exciting news is that we get to draw, when, whenever we read the Old Testament, and I've talked about this many times, you probably, some of you are thinking, I know what he's going to say. We've got to put our Jesus goggles on whenever we read the Old Testament and there's a theme present like the temple. You put your Jesus goggles on and then we can start reading the Old Testament through the lens of the New Testament, through Jesus and what he's done and through, the, through um, you know, the, you, if you see something in the Old Testament like the temple theme and you know, hey, I've heard about that in the New Testament as well, you can draw a connection there. You're allowed to do that. That's a good thing to do. And so that's what I'm going to do today, right? We're going to put our Jesus goggles on and we're going to reflect on this theme of a temple and how that applies to us. And, and what it means is I can take this passage that we're looking at in Zechariah and through my Jesus goggles, I can preach a message to encourage the church to rebuild, right? The New Testament writers refer to the church as the temple, yeah, and both the universal and collective group of people, 
right? And so it's kind of like um, th- these people who've given their lives to Jesus, the church, the body of Christ, they're referred to as the temple, the dwelling place of God, the place we, we have the Holy Spirit inside of us now. A lot of us know this already, <laughs> yeah? And so what we can do is we can take this pastor Zechariah and we can, we can say, all right, what does it mean for the church to build itself up, to rebuild itself you know, maybe there's some brokenness. Maybe there's a sense in which the church feels a little bit torn down. How can we rebuild ourselves? What does that mean? Not just build ourselves up in number, although if it means people experiencing faith in Christ, I'm all for that. Not just buildings and budgets, although we've got to be good stewards and we've got to give generously to the place that God's given us to be stewards of, but the kind of building that says there's a firm foundation that we can lay for our lives. In the same way that for Zechariah um, and, and God's people back then, when they didn't focus on the foundation of their lives, things weren't going well. You know, when they were self-focused and they weren't focused on what a good foundation is, things weren't going well for them in the same way. I know there's a firm foundation in Jesus that we can focus on. The kind of, this is the kind of rebuilding that says, I need my life and my relationships my everything to reflect the foundation of Jesus Christ and his word, yeah? That's starting to sound like something that we can apply to our lives and be encouraged to do. Just as the prophets Haggai and Zechariah pleaded with God's faithful remnant to lay a foundation for their lives, you know, through the temple, through the meeting place, through where God's presence is, so that they won't, wouldn't be shaken. So I can encourage us as a faithful remnant today in the same manner. God wants us to know that the future of our church, the future of his faithful remnant, the future of those who call themselves disciples or apprentices, if you like. So I really like that play on the word disciple. It also means apprentice, you know, to the way of Jesus, that our future, our security, our assurance, it all relies upon a foundation of Jesus and his word and his promises. And I'm, I'm bringing this up because I've had a lot of conversations in the last month to half a year, but more so in this last week, just a lot of conversations filled with concern about the state of the world, the things that, that we're facing, the things that are going on in different people's lives. I, I heard a, a story of a lady who's escaped North Korea and um, her name's Yonmi Park. You can Google her and find her on several podcasts and she wrote a book and all this, but she talks about the terrors that are happening right now in North Korea. Right now, like thousands of people, 90% of that country just living in just the middle of pure evil. And it brings great concern. You know, there's, there's a way in which that weighs on our hearts and makes us feel a bit shaky, feel a bit like, man, what is going on? You know, things, it can make us feel like the foundations are being moved. It's a very dark story, and I don't understand why these things happened. I've had many discussions about the COVID crisis, you know, since, it, since it's come, and, um, you know, with all the things that are happening around the globe, all the bad things that we see happening, all the riots, even recently in the last few weeks, and you know, the way the government is making decisions and there's debate about that and this vaccine and that vaccine that goes on and on and, and it kind of feels like the foundations are getting a bit shaky when you worry and focus on these things and the concern weighs us down. 
then there's what's happening in Afghanistan and just watching from a distance the things that are happening over there and you think, man, this is crazy. There's concern and weight to that and worry. How should that situation be handled and who's making the right decisions? There's a lot of worry about the economy, um, you know, what's safe and not safe to invest in. You know, I was, I was worried to hear this week that the Wiggles have included another character into their lineup recently. It's um, Shirley Sean, the non-binary unicorn, right? Okay, if you don't know what that means, then that doesn't matter. <laughs> but, um, the, you know, it's going to use they and them pronouns and it's, their, their vision is that it will shape the, the, the next 30 years for the Wiggles so that, so that children like my daughter Viv, can see themselves in that character if they choose to, you know, just as my daughter sees herself in Emma Wiggle. You know, and I, and I see that and I just think, man, it weighs on my heart. I'm concerned. The foundations don't seem to be, um, don't seem to be there. Things are getting a bit shaky. And I want to bring up that we have hope, you know, This is what this scripture is saying. There's hope for us if we can rebuild our lives on a foundation and maintain that that our foundation is Christ. There's hope and there's security in that, no matter how wishy-washy and crazy and all over the place the world seems. I'm sure I'm not the only one having these conversations, yeah, and these concerns. I think um, we just need to be reminded that there's security when we, when we place our lives on Jesus as a foundation. You know, Paul, he writes in 1 Corinthians 3, um, starting at verse 9. He says, For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. Right? The land that... So to explain that a little bit, he's saying the land that God produces a harvest from, that's who we are. The building within which God resides, that's who we are now. That's what he's saying. He's saying you are God's building. You are God's temple. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder and someone else is building on it, but each one should build with care. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. His work on the cross, his life, death and resurrection that set a foundation, you know, his coming, his bringing the word, the power of the word, the life of the scriptures, that's a foundation already set for us. We can build on it. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, that's like symbolic of, um, you know, the the, uh, pure things, good things, or wood, hay or straw, symbolic of things that might get burned up in the last day, their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. You know, it's good to remind ourselves as we get concerns or worries, it's reminding ourselves what's going to be burnt up and what's going to remain at the end of all this on the day when Jesus returns. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, 
even though only as one escaping through the flames. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred and you together are that temple. God's temple is sacred. We are sacred if we've set ourselves apart. Sacred is being set apart, right? That's what holiness means, is being set apart. We're set apart for a purpose, set apart to God. He's saying that's who the temple is. That's who we are. We're set apart for a purpose. We've got a foundation. It's different. You know, it's, it's, it's outside of the worries and concerns of this world, what this means for us and what I believe Paul is saying to us is that if we're not willing to take time to dig down into, to, to get to the foundation, dig through the sand till we hit something solid, you know, and we're going to talk about, you know, some of the ways we might be able to do that, then we might be building our lives upon things that in the end are going to be burnt up. And, you know, we might be, we might be saved, as we might escape through the flames and get into glory anyway with Jesus, but, you know, what, what are we devoting our lives to? We might have broken a lot of sweat in our lives and we might have uh, done a lot of hard work on things that don't really have lasting value. And uh, it's a great concern for us, isn't it? Yeah, I've been listening to a guy called Mark Sayers. He's a pastor at a church in, um, in Victoria somewhere. I don't really even know. I think it's called Red Church and um, he, he's on a few podcasts that I listen to. I've, I've recommended this cultural moment to you in the past. Still good. I'm on my fourth time listening to that again just because I love it so much. And then um, he's also got another one called Rebuilders, coincidentally, Rebuilders. And um, some of what he says, he says that Western culture and um, certainly the progressive vision that much of Australia and the West is subscribing to, he says it's like they want the kingdom of God without the king. Right, if you've listened to that podcast, you'll, you'll um, hear him say that. They want the kingdom without the king. And he says that people want much of what the teaching of Christianity offers them. They want the moral vision of love and equality and loving the marginalised and treating others well, living prosperous lives, living with purpose and meaning. They want to hear that all of life is you know, beautiful and valuable, but they are not willing to also have Jesus as their king. They want the kingdom without the king. Because if they have Jesus as their king, there's other Christian teaching that they need to subscribe to as well, isn't there? You know, and Christianity is not a pick and choose. You've got to have the whole, you've got to take the whole hog, you know. <laughs> They'll also be subscribing to the sexual ethics of Jesus, the financial ethics of generosity and stewardship. They don't want to love their enemies. They don't want um, marriage the way Jesus teaches it. They don't want to forgive those who've wronged them. They don't want to hear that there is only one way to God. They don't want to hear that they have to crucify their lives with Jesus. They don't want to hear that they should consider the needs of others first. They don't want to hear that there is only one exclusive way to be saved. And so they want to make of their lives a very large building but they aren't willing to build it on Jesus. You know, and it's kind of like Vivian has these big um, building blocks and Joey and Viv um, get them out sometimes when we play and they often want to build a tower. 
And they just want to build blocks anywhere as we build this tower. And I always say to Viv, come on, let's just build a bigger base so we can actually, you know, get somewhere here. Because <laughs> often it'll be, you know, just one skinny block, block they'll want to start with at the bottom, you know. And they, as they get up higher, they'll just put one, you know, that has four in a row and it's hanging out the side and it's starting to wobble and all this. And that's a little bit what it's like to build a kingdom without the king. You know, we build these potentially impressive buildings of our lives, but they're top heavy, you know, and when, when something happens in our life, the foundation just gets all shaken up and we're very easily pushed over. And we have to be careful that we don't do the same. You know, the, the progressive vision of the kingdom without the king is not working for many people. And so we as the church, we have an opportunity to show people what it's like to have the kingdom and the king and to show how strong of a foundation that is to build our lives, um, you know, build our temples, build our relationships on the foundation of Jesus Christ and his word, to actually place him as the chief cornerstone of our lives over every part of us. And I can assure you that as we do this, people are going to notice, <laughs> you know, they'll see the stark difference it is to have a solid foundation. <clears throat> and so what do we need to do? You know, I'm actually going to ask you maybe to call out a few responses to this question. What does it look like to be founded on Jesus? You know, practically, what does that mean? Week to week, day to day, does anyone have any ideas? Where do we start? to just put ourselves on Jesus as a foundation. You can just yell, yell something out, be bold. It doesn't matter. There's no wrong answers. Well, maybe there is, but we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. So every part of our life needs to be given to God. There's no, no uh, separation between our life with God and our life outside of the church or, or outside of our relationship with him. Awesome. That's definitely a good way to build that foundation. Any other ideas? Read your Bible. Man, that's, that's a good one. And I think not just read your Bible, but study it. You know, there's, there is a difference. I can, I can read my Bible and just sort of nothing sinks in. You know, I can glaze over a few chapters and it's like, cool. I don't know really what I got out of that. But to read it to the point where you, you go, man, God actually spoke to me. I feel fed from what I read, you know. Or, or to grab something that's going to help you read your Bible. You know, someone who can teach you through a book or get together with, a, with others for a Bible study or whatever it is. It's that, that's a great way to build a foundation. What else can we do? Prayer. Yes, absolutely. Prayer, not praying corporately, but also praying by ourselves, praying for one another, praying for ourselves, praying, you know, <laughs> there's so many reasons to pray. And it's all throughout Scripture, absolutely. And I think um, part, of the, part of the struggle with all of these things, in fact, every spiritual discipline is, is the distractions that we face. You know, so distracted. It's so easy to be distracted in, with our phones, um, screen time, Netflix, you know, just a good book, 
that doesn't is just like a non-fiction thing or whatever. It could be, um, sorry, a fiction book. <laughs> um, any book that's, that's not the Bible can be a distraction. It just be just sport, um, what, whatever it is. You know what things are distracting you. It's very easy to get distracted, and that might be killing us more than more than the progressive vision, you know. Um, this week, I've got my prayer retreat, my quarterly prayer retreat coming up, and I'm so excited. I feel like so thirsty for it, a day away with God, just to pray, just to focus on Him, just to have no distractions for at least half the day. You know, I wonder, what would it look like for all of us to do that? Even just... I mean, one day a year, could we do that? I'm, I'm trying for four days a year and I've already had to postpone one, right? <laughs> it's, it's, you know, four days a year, just to, just what difference would it make to our life? And not just the quarterly sort of, you know, creating these sort of rhythms of good quarterly or whatever, but daily. How are we just getting ourselves away from the distractions, you know, so that God can just get a look in and start speaking, that we would have ears to hear, eyes to see. What else could we do? Does anyone else have any other ideas? Caring for the poor and needy. I was going to, the way I put it in my notes was go on mission, you know, go on mission, absolutely. Mission can often energise us, you know, in our faith. And, and make us rely upon the foundation. I know the first time I went to a, um, a beach mission, I think it was 2009 or around New Year's 2009, I went with Ashgrove Baptist Church on the north side of Brisbane and we went and um, I realised I just didn't know the Bible well enough to be talking to people about Jesus. You know, <laughs> I was frightened. I was just like, man, I just don't even feel like I, I know enough to tell anyone and it motivated me to study the Bible. And to go to Bible college the year after, I was just like, I've been in church my whole life. I just feel weak when, I, when I'm trying to tell someone about my faith, you know. And so going on mission, it can energize us. And that mission could look like inviting a friend out for a cup of coffee and just making it about them and just listening and just seeing what ways you can serve. That mission could be um, making sure you pray every day for your friends and family who are lost. That's some pretty good stuff. I reckon, gee, if we did those things, we'll be doing all right. We'll be on, the, on a solid foundation. And it's not, not to add more things to our plate, but it's do we want to have a stark difference to the progressive vision, <laughs> to the shaky towers that are all top-heavy? Do we want to build on something solid? The other thing we can do, um, and this might be an, another way to respond, would be where in our life feels a bit shaky right now? What relationship feels a bit shaky? Is there, is there anything where we're just going, man, this doesn't feel right. I need God to work in this space. And then bring that, that place to prayer and say, God, this doesn't feel like it's on your foundation. It doesn't feel like this part of my life is resting on your promises and your truth. And I need to know What's, what's the right step to take? That might be a good course of action as well. And just to, to 
That might be the first day of our prayer retreat. <laughs> you know, what, is it, what does it look like? The scripture I read earlier in the service, John 15, um, you know, remaining in the vine, that that's, goes along with that. It's another metaphor. It's the same thing. It's remaining in Jesus, you know. <laughs> that's where the life source comes from for fruit, you know, good fruit, lasting fruit. That's like, that's like things that won't be burnt up. You know, Jay and I have been trying to buy, excuse me, buy some more organic food lately. And, uh, you know, whenever you buy the organic veggies, they last such a long time, <laughs> you know. <laughs> They're just so pure and it just seems like they last a long time in the fridge and it's awesome because your broccoli doesn't go all soggy in the cooler at the bottom and all this sort of stuff. <laughs> And you feel like you can just do steamed veggies for ages. And anyway, I really like it. But it's, I feel like that's the kind of fruit we're going to get when we remain in the vine. You know, that lasting fruit, stuff that's going to not just wilt after a few days. That's the kind of life I think God has for us. That's the kind of church I think God wants us to be. And um, I don't know, what do you reckon? Does that sound pretty good? <laughs> I think it sounds pretty good. Let's, um, let's pray, and um, yeah, if you want to pray and, and respond with me as well, um, very happy to pray with you um, afterwards or whenever. Write down your responses on your, on your connection card there and pop them in. Any prayer requests, things I can be praying for you, um, we want to do that. Um, so let's pray together. Heavenly Father, yeah, this is a great challenge. To, to rebuild our lives on you and to um, see you as our foundation and to know that um, we do this not to create a heavy burden but to know that this is the path to getting um, fruitfulness in our lives, fruit that will last, fruit that honours you, fruit that won't be burnt up you know, on the, on the last day, things that are actually of eternal value. And we pray that your, your uh, presence would go with us. I pray that we would find ways to do mission just day to day. I pray that you'd help us to get rid of distractions and to start creating a rhythm of uh, stopping and listening. Lord, I pray that our faith would be just, just energised and grown by this, God. Pray that we'd read your word until we feel like we've eaten from it. I pray that we'd get a hunger and a thirst for that and a hunger and a thirst for being set apart for you. Lord, I pray for the places in our lives that are shaky and don't feel like they're founded on you. I pray that you'd help us to know how to get them onto you. Help us to dig through all the sand and the, and the soil until we hit, hit that bedrock of a solid foundation, Lord. And Lord, as we see others go through life and they seem top heavy and they seem like their foundation is not on you and, and they, they're you know, so easily pushed over by the things that happen in life, help us to know how to minister well. Help us to know how to be built up um, or how to build them up and how to, how to show them what it means to have a life lived in you. Lord, we pray this in your name. We commit ourselves to you. In Jesus' name, amen.